Uh, welcome to Book Nation. I'm Nell Coakley. I'm Chris Stevens. We were so unprepared for that. I know we, we were, were because we were usually like, <gasps> I started and I looked at her. And I'm like, nope, you take it away today. There we go. <laughs> so today we have a guest that we'll be talking a little bit later, mm-hmm. and she's super cool. She is so adorable. She's adorable. She's gonna she, love it when she hears that. By the way, because but she is 19 year old Stephanie Strauss mm-hmm. from Gloucester. She's from Gloucester, and she just wrote and put together. Like she said, it was like four or five years worth of poetry. Yeah, the one of the reviews I read said it was 800 pages, and I was like, holy moly, that's a lot of poetry. But the book she had in here was not 800 pages. No, she's so. she's calling. That's so, like 800 matchbook pages, I think. I thought <laughs> she was wonderful. Like again, we've talked to her. Yeah, she was great. She was really adorable she um, was wonderful and she she so she will be reading some of our poetry her she will share some of her poetry Scotch brain us. is call is the book yep she has a line in her intro that i just that i absolutely love and i i didn't i didn't mention it to her so i want to do a shout out here but when in her um introduction to the book she tells you i am lending you my words in the hopes that you will pay it forward write something for yourself or for someone else and she I is just, way mature beyond her. Beyond I just her love that. Words. Yeah. Seriously. I really love that. I thought that was really beautiful. That I'm lending really, you my words. Lending, I'm lending them to you. Don't mm. abuse them. Now, I'm a huge poetry fan. I know you are. And I can, you might, you might suspect by the tone of Nell's <laughs> that voice. Nell is not. <laughs> that Nell is not. It's funny because but I, I am open. I see. I am. You open. are open to it. I yes. am open to it. I love Shel Silverstein. So do I. I love the William Blake, which you know people are always like William Blake shoots from my like sparks from my. But I love I William Blake. That, but yes. um, Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's what people probably know. But um, so yeah. But I am open to to reading stuff and listening to stuff. Just because I'm not like sure. oh, super into it doesn't mean no. It's no, like people, no I, know, I know it's like people who people like who may not like science fiction. That's fine. Yeah, just be open to it. Yeah, I was just saying, I'm not a ginormous science fiction fan. Although there is science fiction that I've read that I love, right. and I forget that I think. I probably make the mistake that a lot of people make that when you think science fiction, you you think aliens and spaceships, spaceships, and that's not it. It's not it. No, that's not it. It's it's really. I mean, that's some of it, but that's yeah. It's a it's a huge it's a huge genre. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll talk to Stephanie later. But in the meantime, what do we got? We have book news. So so Stephanie is not the only one out with the new with her first book of poetry. Actress Bella Thorne is out. Actress Bella Thorne. Who's Bella Thorne. So Bella Thorne. I'm so old. You are so old. Bella Thorne was. Uh, she's a Disney kid. So she was oh. on. She was on Shake It Up with Zendaya, who let me just say is one of the most beautiful women in the world. She's so cute. She's so beautiful. But anyway, so and was, I love and her name, Zendaya. Zendaya, um, or maybe or is it Zendaya? I don't. I don't know. I think it's actually. Zendaya. Um, but anyway, she was on that. She was also in the movie Blended with Adam Sandler. She was one of the daughters in Adam Sandler movie, which I like that movie with Drew Barrymore. Um, and she was in what the heck else she was in? She was in another movie that I knew, and I was like, oh, that's her. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, because I had to. I wasn't sure who she was either. What was the other movie she was in? It'll come to me. She was in another movie. But anyway, I think it's interesting. So she's written this book of poetry. The poems are personal. They're about um, personal struggles, depression, relationships, having dyslexia, sexual abuse. I mean, she has put it. All How old is this girl? Out there. She's twenty one. Twenty one. She has sort of put it all out. She's there. had a whole life. What I thought was sort of interesting amusing to me for some reason is that she has dated a lot of the poems and she's dated them so people can chart her growth they can chart her healing i feel like that's like a literary selfie i feel like that's just like because i yeah i know the world is going to be dying to know how i'm doing and i know that even when it comes out of my mouth i know it sounds harsh (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. If you listen to reason, another one of our podcasts, Chris is going to like do the bad review. But I feel like I just feel like it's She's just about to bad review it. No, I haven't Bella read Thorne. it. I have not read it. I should say that I have not read it. So it's I'm sure it's lovely, wonderful, beautiful. It is kind of odd. But I just find it odd. And this social media look at me kind of, you know, what we're doing. She's 21. But she then again, she's 21. You know, so Yeah. She is in that sort it does smack of twenty ones are at me. yeah, and twenty ones are twenty one year olds. I think are kind are, of like that. Are that? But age. you know what? She put it out there. She's sharing it with the world, and in a way that that is brave and awesome too. That she is. I think poetry is putting yourself I'll out there on the such I a different level. I, I don't like. I, I, <laughs> I no, I mean, I I I think I think it's great, like that people will share. But I I don't know. Sometimes I think like 
people who are on TV and I don't care what they have to say. I don't. I know. Is it, well, a lot of times they'll be like, I share, I'm sharing my story because I want people to know that they're not alone. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't well, they're not think alone I was. to begin with. I mean, <laughs> no. and it's just like, no, I feel like you're sharing your story just to share your story. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I'll, which I'll, is fine. <laughs> you know, me. I mean, I've read biographies of famous people and they're interesting, but then when fam- certain famous people will put stuff out and you're like, it, it is very much look at me, mm. look at me. I have a problem. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't I have my own problems. There is a way of being inspirational. Yes. <clears throat> and then there's a way of being flashy. Yeah. So you exactly. feel like this is not inspirational, but this and could I be shouldn't flash. I didn't say she Yeah, I yet. shouldn't say that because I have not read it. And I apologize. I will say that I love the name of it. The name of her book is The Life of a Wannabe Mogul, Mental Disarray, Volume One. I just think that's a great title. That's a great title. <laughs> it's a great title. It's a great title. Um so I and I and I and it's probably wrong of me to it's just the way she presented it that's what i find amusing i mean the poems could be fabulous and i will pick it up i will look at it right. you know just because i'm interested now I'm you'll interested. have to yeah now you'll have to see come back she, and say, she's good she got my you'll attention have to come back and say you know i liked it or you're right <clears throat> or i didn't like it so what's your i don't have topic related okay i have news. one other topic related one if you want because okay. it's just well i have laugh. book news i just oh, don't okay. i just don't have topic related okay. book news. so you go ahead no well this one just made <laughs> me laugh so new hampshire governor chris sununu has abandoned his pick for state poet laureate after facing backlash over his choice of a candidate in the selection process. Who did he pick? So typically um, the poetry council, I think it's the state poetry council, typically they will pick someone, they will put that name forward. I didn't even know there was a state poetry council. Well, this is New Hampshire. New Hampshire. But I'm sure Massachusetts Massachusetts does They probably have one too. Massachusetts has a poet laureate. Typically, they will pick someone and they will, what is it, Society of New Hampshire, sorry, Poetry Society of New Hampshire. Typically, they will pick someone and put it forward and the governor says, fabulous, that's our poet laureate. (gasps) This time, he was like, (laughs) not so fast. Um, Instead of of choosing Jennifer Militello, I'm sorry, I'm probably not pronouncing your name correctly. Um, He picked his own nominee, Daniel Thomas Moran. Moran has been criticized for his lack of connection to the poetry community and for publishing a a sexually aggressive poem about Condoleezza Rice. That's bizarre. How bizarre is that? In this age of the Me Too movement, this is the guy he goes for? Exactly. Exactly. A sexually suggestive poem about Condoleezza Rice. What is up with that? And this is who, yeah, this is who Chris Nunu picks. Yeah, I couldn't, and, and I haven't read the poem. Chris Nunu, what are you thinking? Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Hashtag Chris Nunu, what are what you, are you thinking? thinking? So anyway, yeah, I had to share that because I just, that was too bizarre for me not to share. That is crazy yeah. weirdness. It is crazy weird. Dude, just go stay out of it just yeah, just yeah. just go with the poetry society just be like okay you? the poetry society probably knows what they're talking yeah, about exactly. you don't so yeah. unless you're Maya I'm, Angelou shut up because I'm guessing that Chris Nunu is not a big poetry reader no. and judging from who he picked probably was like his taste in poetry maybe it could be like somebody just gave it to him and be like dude check this out this is who you should go with <laughs> I'm hoping I hope so crazy yeah okay so what's your book news Mine's I'm sorry so I was I, this caught my attention because it was in the New York Times. Not that I'm reading the New York Times, but it just caught ah. my attention. It was it's the headline that caught me. So we've been talking a lot about headlines and how to write headlines in our newsroom, mm-hmm. and this just caught me. So this is what it, this is the headline: A library thrives quietly in one of Pakistan's gun markets. Hey, libraries are thriving everywhere <laughs> in a gun market. Like, this is that's so a good cool. headline. So there's this place in Pakistan called Dara Adam Kel, and it's like a tribal district. It's like west of Islamabad, and it's no. This is what it's known for: it's sprawling weapons bazaar. So you walk through it, and there are people <gasps> making weapons. There's weapons and stuff, and all this. It's this crazy. See, thing. there's just flea markets for everybody. So. This guy, Raj Muhammad is his name, and he is from there, and his father is, he makes weapons. Okay, so his father is a maker of weapons. Okay. So near his father's gun shop, he decided, I'm going to open a library. Because, you know, not everybody wants to follow in their dad's footsteps. Well, he opened it. Herbie wanted to be a dentist. He said he opened it as a weapon, as a, as a weapon, as a labor of love to get a message to the area and the wider world. And he said, I love this. I put books on the top of the gun market, making them superior to guns. This is my step for peace. 
I like that. Isn't that cute? Like, yeah. so he, he's earned, so, like... So, and what books does he sell, I wonder? I don't know. It's, like, 20... He's got, like, 2,500 books. It's become, like, super popular. Like, people in the gun market... Like, can you imagine the gun runners? They're, like, out there, like, oh, let me, well, let me check... you know, they might read. They've probably got time in their hands waiting for shipments to come in and go out, you know? So, you know, people are just, like, drawn to this thing. And they are reading these wonderful books that this man has set up. And he is just... I think gangsters get a bad rap just because, you know, they're... He's not a gangster. No, no, no. But like, you know, people maybe that are in there that are buying and selling weapons that maybe are, you know, they think they're uneducated. They don't read. I don't, you know, they get a bad rap. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it says that, you know, Pakistan's literacy rate is like 58% among adults. Wow. Um, So, which is not quite a lot. And, you know, the Pakistan public library system apparently is a problem. I, I could see where that would be a problem. Um, people, I think somebody said recently that, in, was it Christina? Our intern told us that um, people in like, England oh, yeah. don't bother no, with libraries. No, libraries they, are like, going down. They basically buy stuff. Yeah. But um, I I did see, it's at the end of the article, because I knew Chris was going to ask, like, what's the most popular book? It's like, yeah, what of are course. they taking out? <laughs> it's called The Pathans, Sir Olaf Caro, 1958 History of the Pashtun Ethnic Group. Wow. That is the most popular book that is being taken out of that 2,500 books. Wow. I love this story. Yeah, I'm like, it is here's great. Here's this guy. It's a step for peace. Who was sent words. somewhere else to like, you know, get his master's and he comes back. And instead of like practicing his stuff at his father's gun shop in the world's most crazy gun bazaar, he, he opens, opens a, a library. That's awesome. And I people come it. and people are coming and people in use it. and they're using it. That's what's awesome is people are using it. I love that story. That is a great story. That's a great story, right? That I'm is a good story. I'm like, yes, libraries can thrive anywhere, people. Yes, they can. Check out your local library. Yes, check out your local library. They are so worth the time and the effort, and they are so fabulous. They're amazing. They are. So, Chris Stevens, what are you reading now? Poor Nothing. Chris. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing I was reading before. <laughs> you still through it. Okay, so... I think on our last podcast, I was talking about how I didn't, I really had to take a break from what I was reading. And so I decided to go into the stacks of my stacks of stuff. I know, that's it. I get overwhelmed sometimes. I'm like, I don't know what to read. I have too much stuff to read. Well, I decided it's summer and it's nice out. So I went and I looked through my stacks and I went back into my collection of Chris Grabenstein. He has a series that he, a mystery series. And he, most people know him as a YA writer now because he had a sort of switch from, from like adult books to he, he was writing this series about a guy named John Seapack and his partner, Danny Boyle. And it, it starts out in uh, the character arriving at a place called Seahaven, New Jersey, which is supposedly on the Jersey Shore. It's not a real place, first of all, but it's like one of those beach communities where yep. they have, you know, the boardwalk and the beach and the tourists and the stuff. And I'm sure people would understand that in our coastal communities. And so this guy, Seapack arrives and he's like, buy the book. He's a former MP. He's got a code he lives by. He is like very straight laced. He's an Iraqi veteran. And then here's his partner, Danny Boyle, who grew up there and he's kind of laid back and he's like a summer cop. He's kind of Boyle. Yeah. And I love him. He's it's told in first person. And I just love these. And you can pick up the first one. It is called Tilt a Whirl. All the books are named after boardwalk rides or board ro- boardwalk games. So I just picked up Mind Scrambler, and it's it's so much fun. They're so much fun. They're like very quick read. The um, I'd say the dialogue is really fun. They're just fun to read. That's what I thought. Danny Boyle is the <laughs> Danny Boyle is a producer, director, screenwriter. I was like, isn't that the guy that did Slumdog Millionaires? It is. <laughs> he's not in the book. Uh, so anyway, sorry. Just when you're like Danny Boyle, I know that name. He's not in the book. <laughs> Now, but it's a it's a fun read. It's a fun summer read, and I I I think I like I think I only have like four. Cha- I was sitting up last night going, you know, awesome. it's a nice warm night, and my whole family was like went to bed early, so I was up until like midnight. I was like, just one more chapter, just one more. So I'm gonna finish that. But well, I'm like you. I'm, they're like fun. I like to read summer things. I'm taking a bit of a break. I have a problem with. For some reason, I either read magazines or I read books. I can't read magazines while I'm reading books. I don't know why. <laughs> I just don't. So once I sort of get in this jag of reading magazines, I'm like, okay, now I'm like reading all of these magazines You're gonna that catch I have. Up. Yeah. So I picked up, a, it, it's actually an old time magazine. 
Um, I think it came out, I want to say like February or something. It's this year. It's just an old one. <laughs> We're in the current but, um, year at least. Yeah, it's the current year at least. I did. I stole it from a waiting room, but I, I stole it with permission. I suppose, I suppose so. I didn't really steal it. I asked them if I could have it. They said yes. And they said yes. What are we going to um, keep it for? It was a Time magazine with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It was on the cover. Oh. Um, it was about the series ending of Veep, but it was just an interview with her. And it was a really good interview. And it also gives like... The, oh, I should bring it in because it has um, little sidebars. One of them is, is from different writers. Their top five, what they think are the top five funny, funniest movies, top five funniest books. Oh, top yeah, that'd be funniest, fun. Whatever. So, I'll, yeah, I just thought of it. I'll bring it in so we can see what the books are. So, I guess if I read magazines, I'm if I read entertainment magazines or stuff like that, I always turn to the book reviews first. Yeah. And they're always weird. Like, I love Entertainment Weekly. And I would always flip to the book page first. And I'd be like, why do they, they always pick the same sort of books? Like, there are other genres. I think People Magazine, I, I like their book reviews. They do a good job. You just pick different things. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be the same darn thing over yeah. and over again. But, yeah. So. So nice. Sometimes you just need a break, yeah. Chris. So I've been reading that. And I, and I just got the new Rolling Stone with Halsey on the cover. So okay, I have to ask that. you a question, though. Do okay. you, do you, some people do this. and I, Okay, I'm not saying that I do it, but sometimes I want to. Um <laughs> Do you sometimes tailor your your book like you know it's it's Christmas I'm gonna find me a Christmas book. To read. I always read a Christmas book, yeah. And for that, I mean that specifically, I don't necessarily like I don't read summer books in the summer or winter books right. in the winter, not necessarily. But I do like a good Christmas story, and that is like Christmas is so crazy because all of my family lives out of town, so I'm wrap I'm trying to shop, wrap, and, oh, yeah. and get stuff in the mail. You know, there's not a lot of people. It's usually a skeleton crew around the office. And because my family lives out of town, I almost always work. Last year was the first year ever that I took Christmas off. Ever. I've always worked on Christmas. Wow. Yeah. And so so there's usually work is usually crazy. So my present to myself is like right after Thanksgiving, I will go and buy a Christmas theme book. And that's and I read, oh, very cool. I read the book. That's my present to myself. <laughs> I usually try to do that. I mean I the, the book that I was reading was very like snow based and winter and I'm like but it's so nice out I really just want to read something fun <laughs> I mean I do sometimes and I do I think I probably do probably read lighter fare in the summer yeah sometimes know. Yeah. I'm like I just want to read I wanted to read something that was that it was it was getting a little heavy and dark yeah. and I thought I really just want to it's like there were four main characters. We've already erased two of them from existence. I'm like, wow, okay. I need to seriously like read something lighter. So I did just read a book that was lighter. I have to bring it in because the name has totally escaped me, but it was cute. It was fun. I love potato chip books. I call them like the ones where you just like you'll read three or four of them in a row. Yeah. You'll be like, I, I love the series. So yeah, I mean, I know that Chris Grabenstein is no longer writing the CPAC books because he's moved on to like children's books or YA books. And so I slowly, like, I know I'm like, I have four left. <laughs> I have four left. She's like, yeah. I did. I'm like, I'm so close to the very end of Mind Scramble that I'm trying to figure out, do I really, can I squeeze in another one? Can I, can I squeeze it in and then I won't feel guilty because I'll wait till next year, like next summer to the other one. the other one. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know, but we'll find out. And I will bring in the list. Of funny books that, that they thought was the funniest books. Cool. And um, although I will say I did not agree with them at all on their five funniest TV shows. Mm. I was like, really? That's what you picked? Yeah. Oh. Mm. So, so hey. we'll have that debate next time. <laughs> I know. So let's, 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 let's stop now and, and yes. get to Stephanie. Yes. And so um, hang out there. We'll be right back. And we will have Gloucester poet extraordinaire Stephanie, Stephanie Strauss, Strauss with us. Can't wait. Thanks. Hi and welcome back. I am Christy. I'm Chris Stevens. She doesn't know who she I is. I have no idea who I I'm am. I'm Neil Coakley. Who are you today? It is the end of the week, and I have no idea who I am today. But thank you for joining us at Book Nation. Let's start again. I'm Chris Stevens. I'm Neil Coakley. Still, <laughs> and, and we have a very special guest with us today, Hank Philippi Ryan. Hi, Hank. Hey, I just want you to know that one of my biggest errors on television. I have two things that embarrass me so much. And one of them was when I read the teleprompter, because you're supposed to read the prompter <laughs> when you do the news. You read the prompter no matter what. Um, and I said, and I'm Kate Sullivan <laughs> on, on live TV. Oh, and then I said, you know what? No, I'm not. No, really, I'm not. So. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I am today. That's awesome. <laughs> That's okay. So yeah. now you know. So everybody knows you from Channel 7 because everybody knows Help Me Hank. <laughs> what, did you start 
did you start out in consumer things or did you, where did, how did you start in, in uh, journalism? Because obviously you're speaking to two journalists. Oh gosh, that's such a good story. Um, I never thought about being a reporter. Um, but how did this even happen? When I, I went to work in politics when I got out of college and really? I decided that what I wanted to do was change the world. Don't we? So I now, right? worked in several, exactly. So I worked <laughs> in several political campaigns back home in Indiana. Um, but sadly, nobody I ever worked for actually won. <laughs> so, Here yeah, she comes. <laughs> yeah, then run, run. So um, that's when I decided that the universe was probably telling me to find another career. So I went to the biggest radio station in Indianapolis. This was 1970, and that's kind of important. Went to the biggest radio station in Indianapolis, and I said, you know, I'm here to apply for a job as a reporter. And the news director said, um, sure, you know, we do need a, a radio reporter here. Where was the last radio station where you worked? And I said, well, yeah, no, you know, I've never really been a radio reporter. And we went through the whole big interview. I can make a long story short, no TV, no radio, no magazines, no newspapers, no journalism school, no journalism classes, no yearbook or high school newspaper. Just like a good says, idea. Yeah, he, says, um, he finally says, well, when you were a little girl, did you like hand out mimeograph neighborhood newspapers door to door? Um, and like, <laughs> give and me I said, something, no. <laughs> something to work with. I said that I, I know I can. Yes, I, I said I know I know I can do this though. You know, I, somebody just has to teach me how to do it, and and I can do it. And he said, I, I I'm sure that we can. But and you seem like a very nice young woman, but um, you know, I just can't hire you for major market radio because you just don't have any experience. He says, can you tell me? Um, one good reason why I should hire you. And I said, well, I can actually. Um, I said, your license is up for renewal at the FTC right now, and you don't have any women working here. <gasps> oh, my God, that's great. And he just, and then I just smiled, and the next day I had my first job. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. So... In broadcasting. And, you know, and it's important because that was 1970. You wow. know, and that was a big watershed year. Yep for women in broadcasting. And I'm really proud to have been part of the breaking the gender barrier, really, in broadcasting. Leslie Stahl and Jessica Savage and, you know, Barbara Walters. And those people, well, we all got our jobs because we were women. There's no question about sure. it. We couldn't keep them because we were women. Exactly. But in every realm of society, that was the time when women started saying, you know, I can do this too. And you ha and not only that, but the equal opportunity laws have just passed. And now you've got to hire me. That is awesome. Um, that is a great and story. And that's how I started. That's how I started. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I, if I look back on it now, all these years later, and I think, yikes, that was audacious. Yeah, you know, right? I, I, like, I, was pretty, <laughs> I mean, the idea of threatening your potential new boss with yeah. a lawsuit on day one, <laughs> you know, not really what they tell you to do. But you, you, great it worked conditions. out. Can you imagine exactly, doing but that it worked now? Out fine. That's good. Well, I'm, you know, and it wouldn't work now, would it? You know, if I walked into Channel 7 and said, you should hire me because I'm a woman, they'd laugh and say, you know, you and everybody else in this building. <laughs> good for you. Right? So... So it worked. It worked. We, you know, we all we all changed the world. And I and I um, I took a chance that day too. And the the other element of it is that that I was brave. You know, I took a chance and I found my calling. And I've been a reporter ever since then. Yeah, I mean, clearly you loved it. So clearly it was a good shot. I loved it. You know, I went home for the first two weeks and cried because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and then one and then one day I thought, you know, I get this and I love it. I feel like we all um, kind of go through those growing pains, don't we? Even absolutely. at the beginning, you have you're just sort of thrown into it, and you're like, "I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're what you're <laughs> where, where I'm going." Right. With what this. even these words? What these words mean that you're saying? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I sort of learned as I got older that um, kind of everybody is just learning as they go, no matter what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's sort of been uh, an element of my, I try not to be fearful in what I try to do because I don't know, let's just see what happens and yeah. what can go wrong. Huh? Yeah, exactly. I, I always How tell, I always tell the interns when they first come to, to, it's okay to ask questions and to tell people that you don't know what you don't know and ask for help because we all have to start somewhere. We all mm -hmm. have to ask for help. So don't, you know, when they come in, I always say, just, you know, ask us for help. Ask the people in the newsroom. If you don't know what, what the per people are talking about, just ask. 
Yeah. That's why they're there. That's why an intern is there to learn. You know, right. the only when I tell I tell interns exactly the same thing. And I also say to them, you know, you're not supposed to know this. You're yeah. here to yeah. learn this. And yeah. the only mistake you can make is just assuming or making stuff up. Do not make stuff yes, up. Don't ever you do know, that. Just, <laughs> yeah, we don't like ask, that. Just ask. Just ask. So when did it when did you start thinking about um going from reporting the news to making stuff up, <laughs> to doing exactly I know, that. that. That's <laughs> exactly. I know. I just realized that. Yeah. And you put your finger on it so 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 cleverly because that was the one thing that I actually was um, somewhat apprehensive about was whether I would be able to make stuff up. Yeah. You know, I was kind of crazy naive that I could that I could write a book. I mean, who would who would think that? I mean, that's <laughs> you know, that's a lot of confidence or silliness. But the idea of whether after all these years of writing exactly, reporting exactly, exactly what yeah. I saw or heard or discovered yep. and this dialogue, I, you know, is only what someone said, would I be able to create a new world out of only my imagination? I mean, experience, right? And, you know, sure. I've lived in the world for a long time, but nevertheless, this is, a, this is our imagination. And it turns out to be that that's really the joy of it as I, as I began to write is that, you know, kind of anything goes. And if, if something doesn't work, if thing A doesn't work, then thing B might work and thing C might work. And it might be the 15th thing you think of. And that's okay too. That's, that's, that's cool. what writing is, that process of creating something that, um, you know, unlike a test where you take a test and you write an answer and then someone says F or A, yeah. you know, in writing, you think, oh, well, that's kind of good. Let me see if I can make that better. Or, oh, that's terrible. Well, I'll fix that tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's a, right. It's a process. And that is, a, that's a, that's a tremendous amount. It must um, have been a certain of sense freedom. of freedom. Yeah. I was just going to say, freedom. it must have been a certain sense of freedom. Like you said, after being bound by sort of these, the restriction of telling the truth. <laughs> Right, and now sure, you can make your exactly. now you can make your characters and all those people that you have always wanted to just go, people to say yes, I did it, or yeah, you know what, I'm lying. <laughs> now you can sort of make them do that. Yes, it's really kind of exciting. I mean, it's interesting. It's either freedom or terror, because <laughs> in true. television, in journalism, there is the thing. You know, that either you ask a person enough times or in a clever enough way and they'll tell you the answer or they yes. won't tell you the mm -hmm. answer. Yep. And if they don't tell you the answer, then you can just say they never told me the answer. Mm -hmm. But in, in a book, there has to be something. You, you have know, to the know action the has to yeah. progress and there has to be forward motion and there has to be conflict and there has to be resolution and decision making with an answer. So it's a, you know, it's, a, it's the same kind of storytelling, but it's a different, it's a, it's a very exciting and different way of doing it. How do you start, Hank? Do you start with an idea and say, let me see where it goes? Do you, do you sort of plan it out? Do you know the end first and write backward? I mean, how do you, what's your process? <laughs> okay, that was a good question then. Um, let me just say from starting sort of from the beginning of that. Um, I, when I started writing my first book, if I could talk about that for a second. Oh, yes, sir. Writing yes. My first book, I, I got an idea one day at Channel 7, I got a, an email. I opened this. Actually, what happened was that I opened a spam email by mistake, and it was the 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 um, subject line said a new refinancing deal for you. But when you open the email, the message was what looked like dialogue from a Shakespearean play, and I thought, why would somebody put dialogue from a Shakespearean play? I was a Shakespeare major, much to my parents' chagrin, so I didn't recognize what play it was, and it turned out not to be one. But um, I, it was just that same era. And I thought, why would somebody put um, dialogue from a play hmm. from that era in, a, in an email, a spam that was going to be opened by millions of people hmm. with a headline of a new refinancing deal for you? Why would somebody do that? And it crossed my mind. I mean, honestly, I, I remember thinking it, oddly enough. I remember thinking, maybe it's a secret message. Ooh. And then I thought, oh my gosh, my book, my book. I could write a book about secret messages in computer spam. How you would do that how cool. and how, um, how, what, what would be the point of it and who would do it and how would somebody, how some intrepid sleuth would figure that out and who would get killed because, <laughs> of course, it would be a murder mystery. Of course. And I was consumed with this just germ of an idea of a plot. So I went home and I said to my husband, sweetheart, sweetheart, I've got this idea for a murder mystery. I'm going to write a novel. And Jonathan says, great, honey. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you know how to write a novel? 
And I'm like, how hard can it be? You know, I've read a million of these. People do it all so, the time. Well, and that's what I thought. And that is why I didn't hesitate at that point. I just threw myself into it because I was so naive and so silly that I didn't know enough to be, to realize that that was just a crazy leap of faith to be able to (laughs) type chapter one and figure um, that there, you know, 400 pages to go. Oh yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen. So every one of my books and I'm, um, my newest book is my 11th book, which is coming out in August. Um, every single one has, the process has been the same, which is I start with sort of the germ, the core, the, you know, the gorgeous little unique thing. And it's a plot thing. I know it's not cool to say I start with a plot thing. You're supposed to say I start with the character thing, but I don't. I always start with the plot. plot thing. It's a reporter thing, isn't it? You're always trying to figure out the I plot. What's the plot about, behind you know, this? Exactly. What's it? Because you're looking for a good story. Looking for the angle. Right. right. Yeah. And when someone says, oh, that's a great story, that that's what you want. You know, so I look for I look for a great story. Now, what? And so. And that's another interesting element of it, because as you asked me if I knew the ending and I do not know the ending, I don't know the ending until I. I don't know what even happens next until I write this, the next line and the next paragraph and the next scene. I, I don't have any idea. Hmm. So, you know, I, that's what gets me to the computer every day. I like, love that. You just, happen? I can't wait to by see. the seat of your pants. Cool. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, totally so. Sometimes terrifyingly so. And so that means I don't know the end. And when I figure out the end, I'm so always surprised. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and so people say to me, wow, the ending of the murder list, you really surprised me. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so I surprise myself. I surprise myself every book. And I, I, that's part of what I love so much about it. It's, um, it's a, it's, it's fun. You know, talk about a surprise ending. I'm surprising myself. How can that be? <laughs> and that's, that's what Sue Grafton always called the magic of writing that somehow, um, things you're, you're not, you're, you're, you're so much creating a real world that things happen that it's very difficult to mentally untangle who thought of that. You know, mm. how, how did, how did you think of that? One second ago, you didn't think that. Right. And now these people are, these characters are doing something with intent that you didn't really quite understand. It's really kind of amazing. Like they take on a life of their own. Like they're telling you, you're going to do this. This has to happen this way. Well, I, you know, it's often happened when I've tried to get them to do something and they just won't do it. And I, (laughs) and I don't mean to be all woo woo about it, but you know, my brain, my subconscious, I guess, is telling me your, this character would not do that, would not behave that way, would not Mm -hmm. say that. And, and, and whatever it is that's happening makes it very difficult for me to write the thing because it's not, the correct next step in the book. Sure. And so you learn to sort of listen to that inner writer voice. I think you, I know exactly what she's saying because I, I wrote like, I think I told I think one of the times we've met, like I, I told you, I wrote a mystery and I was this one, I was, I realized at one point during the book that a character that I loved so much had to die. I had to kill her uh, because if I didn't kill her, then the main character couldn't do what he needed to do. And I was mm-hmm. so depressed for a week. I just didn't even do anything. I was like, I can't kill her. I can't. I can kill somebody <laughs> else. It kind of exciting? It was, was, it kind, was of kind of like, I when... have to kill her, but I don't want to kill her. I went through this whole like sadness thing. And then my husband was like, just kill her already. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> all right, I will. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy because, um, but then it's powerful and it's cool because you know that that's going to serve the story. Right. Sure. And you, and what serves the story is what you need. Um, and I, and I think that turns out to be exciting. So how much did it work? Did you, did it work when you killed the person? Yes. Oh, yes. It, it, It did because it had to happen because everything else had to like, coalesce around that and at, at one point i thought it was another character that i would have to kill but then i realized no i have to kill this 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 woman who is his friend because she has to go because she holds <laughs> she holds his... you know i love hearing you say this because um some people say i've heard many authors say "Ooh, you know i love killing the people you know i kill off all the people that i don't like and i don't really like the killing the people part um you know i said to my <laughs> husband could i 
just have them like really badly hurt, then they go to the hospital, then they're okay, then they repent. Yeah. And um, Jonathan says, you're not writing really badly hurt in the hospital mysteries. You're writing in the mysteries. <laughs> so it's That's so funny. So, yeah. So how much has your job as a reporter influenced your storylines? Have you been borrowing from, you know, do you, have you gotten any story ideas from things that you've covered over the years? Oh my goodness. Sure. And it's a really fascinating question because I do not, I don't make my television stories into fiction. That's not what it is at all. I mean, I've been a television reporter for 43 years and I've, you know, wired myself with hidden cameras and gone undercover and in disguise and, you know, chased down criminals and confronted corrupt politicians. You know, I've had a lot of experiences um, that I, that a person who's not a reporter like I am would not ever have. So it would be really silly not to take those experiences and those emotions um, and those places I've been and the people that I've talked to and the conflicts that I've been involved in and the rules, you know, the systems that I've been, uh, that I've, uh, you know, sort of untangled, it'd be silly not to use all that. So, you know, my husband is a criminal defense attorney. Also, it's also good to have in-house counsel (laughs) on the law part, but pretty, in every one of my books, there's, there are elements of stories that I have covered that I use that little puzzle piece as one tiny puzzle piece of a bigger fictional puzzle. And your main so characters are reporters, not, right? I'm sorry? In both series, have you done the, they're, they're reporters? Yes. In the Charlotte McNally book, she's a 46-year-old investigative reporter who's worried that she's getting too old for television. <laughs> um, I scraped the bottom on that. In, um, in the Jane Ryland series, she's a newspaper reporter, and she's on the trail of the story to... Um, make her next big headline. But in Trust Me, my first standalone, um, that was just a wonderful experience writing Trust Me, the main character is a magazine feature writer who is assigned to write a true crime uh, trial not coverage, a true crime instant book, like In Cold Blood of a, of a murder trial. Okay, cool. So part, of, so part of that book is her writing the book, and part of it is the book. And part of it is then what happens to her um, after the after she finishes writing the book and actually meets the um, the murder the the murder defendant and how how her how her vision of that murder changes from what she wrote in what she thought was a true crime book to um, the reality of what really happened. Mm, that sounds so cool. I know it does. I'm like mesmerized. <laughs> like, right. Well, I hope you read that right away. I will. will. <laughs> Definitely going on my summer uh, read list. <laughs> yeah, good. You know, and then the murder list is also the murder list is also based on my tr- trial coverage. You know, I covered the Casey Anthony trial and the Klaus von Bülow trial, and I understand how in a, in a trial system. Um, People, everybody thinks they're the good guy, Yeah, you know, and that is fascinating to me. Um, so I, I'm fascinated by the, by the conflict of the, of, of a lawsuit and by the conflict of a murder trial and by the conflict of, you know, are you the one who wants to be the one who's defending this poor, possibly innocent person? Mm-hmm. Does that make you the good guy? Mm-hmm. Or does it make you the good guy to be the one who's prosecuting this person and making sure justice is done? And how can both sides be the good guy? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I love it. So that comes, oh, I out, do too. That comes out in, in um, August? August the 20th, The Murder List. The Murder List. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful prosecutor and a brilliant defense attorney vying for the legal soul of a young law student. At least that's what they, that's what they think they're doing. Ah. So I sort of call it a Trojan horse of a novel because it's not exactly what you think it is, sort of a story inside of a story. So you're kind of like, you're kind of sliding into some standalone stuff. Well, you know, the standalone is a really interesting thing. Um, I started writing series and I started writing series and I loved that because you, in a series, you know, 
what your world is. You have a main character, Jane Ryland, in the in the Jane Ryland books, and Charlie McNally in the Charlie McNally books. And she's sort of having, and she's having adventures, and they're scary, and they're suspenseful, and they're full of conflict, and they're page turners, and they're good airplane books, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in writing a series, the suspense cannot come from the reader's fear that the main character is going to die. Yeah. Right. Because you know they're not going to. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so that's a real writer challenge to write a mystery series because the main character can't die. And so how are you going to do that? How are you going to keep the reader in suspense? But in a standalone, which, you know, I sort of see a standalone as the most important thing that ever happened in these characters' lives ever. Um, Anyone could die. Anyone yeah. could be a good guy. Anyone yep. could be guilty. I mean, we saw Game of Thrones. I think about, I think about um, George R. R. Martin, right? Okay, you're all the time because how brave is he? He'll just kill off anybody. Yeah, or yeah, he'll true. make somebody you know, take a, make a bad guy into a good guy, and you're like, oh yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. Or he just kills everybody, or you know, everybody's lying. And when I met him once, I I said to him. Um, you know, I think about you every night. And he's like, you do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that's not what I really meant. That's not creepy Um, at all. (laughs) No, exactly. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I should have put that more awkwardly. I said, but I really admire your bravery and taking, you know, you take a risk in every book. And that's what I think a standalone can do. I mean, people are shocked by Trust Me, What Happens in Trust Me, shocked, shocked by what happens in the murder list. Because the reader is has an expectation of how a story is going to unfold. Mm -hmm. You know, in a a novel of suspense, even if you don't know what the story is at all, you have, you understand a rhythm of a suspense novel. Sure. And what I tried to do in both of those books, and trust me and The Murder List, um, is to shake that up a little bit. You know. um, I love that. Oh, I hope so. You no, know, I love I, when an author does that. I love when they sort of lead you by the hand down the primrose path, and then they just turn it all around. You're like, "What happened?" <laughs> like, and you, I but love it was that. All there, right? It has to be, and that's the thing that that's the tightrope of it that I love so much. The tightrope is it, when you know when everybody gasps. What you want them to say is, is "Oh, I sh- of course, you know that was mm-hmm. such yes. a surprise, I but can't it was never can't say I didn't see it coming." Yeah. I didn't get, not like how you can't do that. That's not fair. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the, the long lost cousin from Australia shows up. Exactly. On page At the very last minute. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, and so that's not fair, but a real, I mean, I love the way you put it about putting, leading you down the primrose path because that's exactly what you do. You rely, you know, you know, I mean, writers are readers too, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we understand that. So we know how a reader is going to feel when they're reading a book and what they're going to think and how, just like a magician does, just to distract them the littlest of it and make them expect one thing and then something else happens. I love, I love when, when writers do things on like, I love, I love series stuff, but I, I have to say, I love when they do a standalone and it's such like Brad Meltzer wrote a book um, a while back and I'm reading it. I'm a big fan of his. I'm reading, I'm reading the first chapter and then he kills the main character, the viewpoint character, the I person literally yeah. at the, he, he, he kills him. Like he kills him right at the end of the first chapter. And the, the next chapter is the guy who's with him, who's his friend witnesses him die and takes whatever he had in his hand or whatever, you know, and takes off. And then the thing, the book is actually about him. I was like, wow, like I would have never in a million years gone with that, but okay. Yes. It was And only somebody only somebody as truly skilled as Brad Meltzer could pull that off. I was so like, you know, Oh you, my god. Like where am I going yeah. with this book now? <laughs> well, but he has such confident hands in writing that you know, well, all right, you know, he's he he pulled me in and then he, you know, dumped me out of my chair and now let's see what's well, yeah, I was but like, he, he completely knows what he's doing. Yeah, I was so, I was so blown away. I was like, I don't, did, can you even do that? Like, was, I was like, can you do that? Sure. I've invested like a couple, <laughs> like a couple chapter here in this guy, and I really like this character, and he kills him. Surprise. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was, it was well, totally this surprising. Why, yeah, this is why it's interesting when you talk about what a writer should do mm-hmm. or can do. Yeah. I mean, that's a conversation that we all have, right? As writers in, in every genre all the time. And, you know, somebody who knows what they're doing, 
anything can work. It can work. Yeah. Anything can work. You can break any rules, but you have to know what the rules are first. And then you have to know how to break them because they're sort of rulish yeah. like that, killing the first person character and having him tell you that he's dead. You know, that you can't do that very easily. Yeah. Mm-mm. And it can so, go wrong fast. Go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Were you scared? Like, because now you've done, you know, Charlotte and Jane and you did your first sort of standalone. Were you like petrified to do it or were you very excited to do it? You know, when I had the idea for Trust Me, my first standalone, I loved the idea so much that I, I just, and I knew, you know, sort of technically, I knew that the story was too big to be a Jane book or, or a Charlie book. It, you know, it's the, as I said, the most important thing that ever happened in this character's life. And she is so damaged um, and then so redeemed, one of them is at least, that you just, that's the end. This is all. Their lives go on. The, the two main characters' lives will go on. And you sort of understand how, but you, this is the last we want to hear from them. You know, mm-hmm. we've been involved with them in the most thrilling, exciting yeah tightrope moment of their lives, the biggest decision-making that they'll ever have to make. Um, and now we'll just let them go on and not torture them anymore. And then in the murder <laughs> I started with a whole new, whole new world and whole new characters and whole new conflicts and whole new surprises in the murder list. So it's a brand new story. And a brand new story is just such a cool, such a cool thing. Was it scary a little to, to do it? Um, Every minute of every day, I am terrified. Can I just say that? Because I want... She doesn't even work want the, with us. I, mean, I, I know. Book, yeah. <laughs> I want the book to be good. I want the book to be better than good. I want the book to be better than the last thing I wrote. I want every page to be... To be you know, I'm so challenged to be uh, exciting and riveting and intriguing and compelling that I... You know, I... It's such a, I'm working so hard. I mean, you know this, you know, you work so hard to be good and you, you know, my whole job as a, as a, as a, as a writer is to be entertaining and engaging and enlightening and riveting. And when you were asking about how my TV works with, um, with, uh, investigate, with investigative reporting works with, with writing fiction, mm-hmm. like it's the same thing. You, I don't want you to turn the channel. Yeah. You know, when you're watching my TV stories, and I don't, you know, I want you to miss your stop on the T when you're reading <laughs> my book. Right? That's my total goal is to have you say, oh, no, I'm already at Cleveland Circle. That's, That's awesome. Happen. How do you balance both goal. things? How do what? How do you balance both things? Uh, you don't. <laughs> you, you can't. I, I mean, you. you know, you do the best. I yeah, think honesty. I do the best I can. Hank doesn't and, sleep either. Yeah, I, I love sleeping. It's my <laughs> um, I crave it. I, I just think that the the problem happens when you when you don't realize that just some stuff is just not going to get done, and so you you prioritize what you have to do and what you like to do, and what really you know. My towels aren't folded completely perfectly. You know, that's probably fine. And, you know, there are some things that you have to be great and superly fabulous, superlatively amazing at. That's book, mm-hmm. and that's my reporting. And that's sort of, frankly, being a wife, you know, being a loving person is important. And then, uh, you know, that you just can't do everything. And it's a big, you know, you talk about freedom. It's a big realization just, just to say to somebody, um, well, put it this way, Wally Lamb, you know, the wonderful yep. novelist, mm-hmm. Wally mm-hmm. Lamb, yep. told me that he has uh, an index card on taped to his his landline, and the index card just says no. It just <laughs> says no. Right? And yep. when, so people call and ask him to do stuff, and he just, that card reminds him just, Sometimes you just say no. You, you just, just can't say do no. it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. So when I noticed you said earlier, you know that writers writers read. Um, so what do do you? How do you find the time to read? And what do you like to read? 
Oh gosh, I really read in the genre. Definitely read um, suspense, suspense novels and psychological thrillers. I mean, it's one of the things they don't. And I love nonfiction. I just finished *The Radium Girls*, which is a, a marvelous book about um, the young women who painted the radium dials on watches oh. um, and what ha- what happened to them. It's fascinating and. Truly a terrific book and cool. Bad Blood by John Kerry Rue about the Theranos mm-hmm. scandal, which was completely fascinating. But um, I read a lot of crime fiction and a lot of psychological nice. um, suspense, domestic suspense. You know, and then one of the things they don't tell you about being an author is that it completely changes the way you read. Oh, I bet. You know, because I can't help but edit or <laughs> Oh, my God. I do know, that so I, now when yeah. I read books. Like, how they spell this wrong. You see how they do, mm-hmm. you see how they do it yep. and you, uh, you know, deconstruct or you say, oh, my gosh, I think I'm never going to be as good as this person. Forget it. Why am I doing this? Or you say, how did that get published? You know, that is terrible. <laughs> or you, true. you know, even along the lines of, um, you know, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wonder why they did yeah. that. Well, that was an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. Or you're like, don't have it be the mother. Don't have it be the, oh, it's the mother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That is interesting. So do you, yeah. is it, is it fun when you get to go to the writers conferences then and, you know, meet people and talk to them about their work? So, so much. I'm the guest of honor at VoucherCon this year. That's the, that's the world. That's so cool. Convention. Nice. Me, me, me and James Patterson. Wow. That wow. <laughs> that's so funny. And I'm really honored and thrilled about it. It's just, Hank's you know, my I life. laugh when I say it. I'm sorry. I want, I want to be you, Hank. I want to grow up and be <laughs> oh. just like you. <laughs> oh, nice I'm being completely serious um, when I say that. But, you know, actually, the thing about writers' conferences, I love them. I love talking to people about their books. I love reading their manuscripts. I love the whole, you know, being in the world where we can talk about, do you use semicolons or, you know, shall I say and or but? You know, it's yeah. all those really silly things. <laughs> yeah. uh, and people have read the same books and we have the same goals. But, you know, often, and I am really an, uh, an example of this, writers are so such introverts you know we spend a lot of time by ourselves yeah, it's true a lot of time by ourselves and so i always say that the, and i i'm the shyest person you'll ever meet if someone said you want to go to a party or stay home i would stay home stay. Mm-hmm. any day um so they always so i always talk about how writers conferences are where they take two thousand people who'd rather be like by themselves and make them talk and to each other <laughs> totally <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I you agree. Know, I have forever tried to explain that to my husband. He's like, how? Because I say to him, I don't want to, like, I'll, I'll make him call places. And he'll be like, you talk to people all the time for your job. And I'm like, this is my public persona. This exactly. is not really yeah. who, yeah. how I, how, oh, it's, it's, it's a schmooze. It's all an act. It's like, it's my reporter face. It's your reporter face. True. Yeah. There, when there's yeah. something that I, ha- I that like you said, a call that I have to make that I don't want to. I'm like, all right, just be but, um, at work. Just pretend you're a reporter today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do that. I do that exact thing all the time. How do you so do that? I can be a reporter because then I have a role. Exactly. Yep. Yes, this is my job. This is what I have to do. Yep. Totally. So, uh, Murderless comes out in August, and so what are you? Are you working on anything now? Wait, what is comes- that? Does that come out well, in trade? Is that, is that coming out in paperback? Mm-hmm. Murderless, the Murderless comes out August 20th. Yeah. A gorgeous, fabulous hardcover book. Fantastically beautiful. Right now, there is a sneak peek of it available at wherever you download your books. Nice. If you type in murder, the Murderless sneak okay. peek, it's sneak all peeking. there. Ooh, I like so it. It's all available to pre order everywhere you would buy a book on the planet. The Murderless and beautiful, beautiful hardcover with blurbs from B.A. Paris and A.J. Finn and Wiley Sager and Liv Constantine and just got a starred review from Library Journal that said it's a, it's a must read and nice. like every cool. single word of this every single word of the starred review is just like I'm making a t-shirt out of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the launch party is at Brookline Booksmith on the 20th. Oh, fun of August. And then there's another launch party. If you can't get to Brookline Booksmith at unlikely story in Plainville, that wonderful bookstore in Plainville nice. um, on the 21st. So that's no, the 22nd, the 22nd. So check my website for what day that is. But okay. I think it's the 22nd. Um, so everybody's invited. Love, love, love to have you come. And then I set off on a big 
absolutely ridiculously nutty book tour <laughs> where I'm in a different city every day. So that's and very, how very. Are you doing exciting. Channel 7 and this? Yeah, I'm juggling it. They're lovely about it. You know, they, they understand it. They're, they're like, we have Hank Philippi Ryan working for us. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's lovely. And they, you know, because of the internet and because of cell phones and sure, yeah. I can do a lot of work on that. I can write scripts on the plane and do interviews and it's a juggle. That's a hard juggle. That's a very, that is the hardest of the juggles more and more, but that's a process and we'll just see. I, I adore being a reporter at Channel 7. I, I love this place and uh, so we'll just have to see how that works out. And then my next book comes out this time next year, which I can't even, I'm on word number 90,432. Wow. Um, I, so I can, so there must be an ending coming. There's right? got to be something I knew in what there. it was. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out soon. And that's called The First to Lie. Nice. And that'll be out in 2020, August. Oh, that's exciting. Is, is this another standalone or is this another another standalone yeah totally different completely different people completely different milieu completely different everything i'm so excited about it but you know my focus now so much is i need to get the first to lie done and then i'm going to go celebrate the murder list it's getting phenomenal reviews and i'm really awesome. excited about it and this is really one of the first times i've ever talked about it actually maybe the first interview i've ever done about the murder list so mm-hmm. that, that's exciting Very now exciting. hank are you um are people asking you are you going to write more about jane and charlie i mean it's so nice they ask me that all the time i mean that how can you imagine how thrilling that is i mean i've been i'm an investigative reporter um i've done hank investigates since 1988 which is completely crazy I did help me hang for maybe three or four years, and people still say, "Oh, help me hang." I know. Um, I know right? <laughs> That's what people said. Uh, you guys are interviewing I, "Help Me Hank" today. I'm like, her name is Hank. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how fun is that, though? I mean, that is that is a super brand, and I, I'm really proud of uh, that franchise and how much difference we made in people's lives. You yeah. know, we got people's homes out of foreclosure. Yeah, we've got millions of dollars in refunds and restitution for people. So, really. Um, thrilled with that sort of contribution that I get to make. Um, but I also, you know, I love changing people's lives by giving them these books that are incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there's another Jane book under contract, so that'll come. Oh, great. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's all just, you never know what's a, what wonderful thing is around the next corner. I remember um, interviewing. And that's sort of how I live my life. I remember interviewing Hank in Medford when she, she was, you were like the sweetest lady. And we had actually one of our, one of our people who we interviewed, an author, um, Matt Fillion, who's like, I follow Hank. He's like, I love Hank. And we're like, oh, great. We're going to be talking to Hank. And he was saying, you know, oh, she's like, she's like the nicest person. I'm like, she is. She sat in a very hot day. The day I interviewed her, she like sat with me. And then she was outside because we were, they were doing an event in Medford Square. And she was outside meeting people and signing books. And I was like, this poor woman has to stand out here in the heat for like three hours. But she did. And everybody afterward was like, she's so nice. She was so Aww. nice. She was so nice. Did you get pictures? I got people like regaled me. I was the editor of the transcript at the time and people regaled me with like photos they were like i was like i could do a whole photo page of hank and this person photos if i really wanted to because they were constantly Aww. sending me like photos they were like here's a picture of me with hank i'm like i took a picture with hank too so <laughs> well it's that's sounds- so fun i love that that was fun thank you thank you that's so sweet to hear yeah i have one more question though mm-hmm. can i ask her yeah so sure. at the top of our other segment we were um asking about reviews so do you read your own reviews do you do you sort of, do you take the good and the bad? How do you sort of deal with, like, the bad? Well, that is a fascinating question. And let me think about it, really answer that. I know very successful, famous authors who would never read their reviews. They, and they insist they don't do it, and they won't because, the, you know, if you believe the good ones, then you have to believe the bad ones, and then you begin to not know what even to think and the book is done mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. Sure. You know, I, I think about, you know, I loved the book Gone Girl, love, love, love. My husband hate, hate, hated it. It's the same book. How can that be? <laughs> yeah, so right. um, I used to read every single word of every single review and I used to parse it over and 
worry it and think about it and, you know, good and bad. And I realized that I was thinking more about the bad ones, which were so many fewer than the good ones. You know, why didn't, why wasn't I reveling in all the great reviews that my books got? And when someone said, she said that she said there were seagulls and there's no such thing as a seagull. It's just a gull, one star. Like, really? So <laughs> I, tr- I am, so in answer to your actual question, I am trying. I'm, let me put it this way. Reviews by readers on sites like Amazon and BookBub and Goodreads and library thing, you know, are the most, are so important. They're superly important. You know, it's, sometimes readers don't realize how much difference it can make just to leave a good review for an author. You know, to say, I was so, I couldn't turn the pages fast enough of this fabulous book, Five Stars. Put that up. That's a life-changing thing. That's a life-changing thing. And people don't may not realize that. Yes. So from the standpoint of in mm. general, I love reviews. I love them. And when somebody honestly, for a reasonable reason, doesn't like my books, okay. You know, I didn't like the English patient. Whatever. It doesn't mean it's bad. <laughs> I didn't you know, either. It doesn't, mean it's, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means my personal. So I have learned, and as I, in my slow process of self-actualization, not to take it personally, but just to take the bad reviews as a real person with a real thought. If it's not nasty, you know, like just saying a bad, a nasty thing about somebody personally, that, that, that I can easily dismiss because mm-hmm. that's just nasty. But a thoughtful, intelligent person who doesn't agree with my fantastically fabulous book okay <laughs> <laughs> you know that's you know just that's great that's fine so i'm it's a very difficult equilibrium for an author to keep because there's no way that it doesn't feel personal because right. it is kind of personal. personal yeah um and we don't like to be criticized we'd much rather have someone say this is the best book i ever read um but so there's a non-answer for you <laughs> well no because I, that was a good I non-answer care, i think you have like I a reporter's thick skin yeah, well, I don't have a thick skin. I have a very, very, very thin little skin. <laughs> um, you know, I don't mind if people, I and mean, I've had certainly people threaten me and yell at me and stalk me and send me nasty letters and mean phone calls as a reporter all the time. And I'm like, bring it on. But that's you know, really, I, I think a, that's very different. I mean, yeah. as a reporter, yeah. you're doing your job. When you're writing a yeah. book, that's it's you. very personal. That's, you're out there, yeah, right? That, yeah, that's you writing a book. I agree. So, yeah, I can, yeah. I can understand so, that. So I embrace reviews because they're so important, and I, I I just I'm thrilled at the good ones, and I'm trying to understand and let go of the bad ones. Oh, that's there are just good. so many more good ones, um, and it's horrible to let your life be damaged by what somebody else sure. thinks. Well, this has been fantastic. Um, I can't oh. wait to pick up. I know. I'm like ready yeah. over to the bookstore today. <laughs> and yeah. I just uh, can't thank you enough for joining us yes, today. Yes, exactly. Thank you. No, well, thank I think you. One you more. Know, trust, what are you reading? Trust, well, Trust Me is now, I just want to let you know that Trust Me is finally out of, finally out of mass market paperback. Yes, so I yes. saw that. It's everywhere. Yep. And you'll see, you'll see that everywhere. So please just pick that up. Find me on Facebook and find me on Twitter and find me on Instagram. You know, I really respond to people on she social does. media. Oh, great! And and that's that's really fun. She does because I saw her. I saw her tweet about Louise Penny's shoes. <laughs> How they were like bright red. And Chris is a ginormous Louise Penny fan. I am a big she Louise is Penny, Penny fan. fan. <laughs> of course, that's, we all everybody is. I know that's like her dream interview. So <laughs> you never know. I know, I know. You never know. You never know. That's fantastic. Oh, there is one question that we ask um, everyone that we that we interview. What is on your nightstand? What are you reading? What are you reading? Oh my goodness! Um, I'm reading. Not not going to be able to remember the name of it. Oh no, Lisa Unger. Lisa Unger's new book, which is not quite out yet. It's in the advanced version. Um, and it, oh, she's going to kill me for not remembering the title of it. <laughs> and but Lisa Unger, Lisa Unger, Lisa Unger. Andrew Wilson, who is a wonderful British author who writes. Um, he wrote a book called A Talent for Murder, which I just finished, Ooh. which is about what really happened in the two weeks that Agatha Christie. Um, was missing. <gasps> really? So, uh, so, so that that's great. Cool. Um, and I'm also reading a book called, uh, I read a book called The Bellamy Trial, 
hmm. which is from 19, I can't even remember what year, but I want to say 27. It was the very first legal thriller that was essentially ever written. Wow. Um, and I'm do, writing the introduction for it for a new um, edition of it that's coming out. It's a, it's a wonderful, cool. a, a wonderful book by Francis Hart. Um, and, I'm, and there's just my, the stack on my nightstand is just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, we feel your pain. I do and, know. You know, what's on, what's on yours besides trust me and upcoming the murder list? <laughs> well, now it's going to be a talent for murder. That sounds, yeah, I, I would love to, to look at that. Oh, you'll love it. It's great. It's, it's adorably written and based on, you know, it's based on the truth, but, you know, twisted into fiction. Yeah. Really, really fun nice. to read. I am, um, I'm reading right now, I'm reading Sue Miller's The Arsonist. Uh-huh. Which is, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, actually. Yeah, and I've been reading um, a series by Shimini Flint about Inspector Singh Investigates. So oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I've seen those. Absolutely. And they're fun, yeah. Nice. It's I feel like I'm in different This is the worst question because every author's brain goes completely blank. Of course. If you say... What what are you reading? What are you like, reading? I don't know. I'm reading my own manuscript. I can't yeah. think of anything else. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and I'm like you. Know, I've got a stack. I'm like, what am I reading? What should I be reading? What what I like to be well, reading? Okay, what am I questions. reading next? Yeah. yeah. I'm like yeah. like when I get to the last chapter, I'm like, well, what am I going to be reading next? I like to I live. Know, exactly. I, a lot of times, I, I like to live with a book for a little bit before I move. Oh, right I have on to tell to you, I just one. read a book called Thirteen. Thirteen. Um, which somebody had suggested to me by Steve Cavanaugh and the cut line on the front, so this is not giving anything away. Um, something like, what if this, what if the murderer was on the jury? Ooh. Oh, I'm writing this down. And I, I, I had thought of this idea years ago and then I tried to figure out how to write it and I couldn't figure out how to make that work. I couldn't figure out how to make that happen. And this guy has figured it out. It just won a huge award oh, wow. in, uh, in the UK. Oh, and also one more, Louise Candlish. Do you know Louise Candlish? She's so. another Brit. I don't think oh, so. The okay. book is called Those People. Louise Candlish, Those People, about um, a, a, a couple that moves in next door in kind of a posh neighborhood. And, and when they don't fit in and what happens. Uh, <laughs> nice. Sorry. All right. Well, now you've rounded out my list for me. I know, right? Like, <laughs> more stuff to pick up at the bookstore. Exactly. Not that awesome. that's ever a problem, can I just say? No. So, Hank, we want to thank you so, so much for joining us. It's been well, so I much had fun. Great time. This was wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Very we'll cool. We'll have to do this again. Yes. Oh, absolutely. When the next book comes when out. The next book comes out. Absolutely. And we've read it by then. Yes. Absolutely. It'll be done. Can you believe it? I can't even imagine. That's that. exciting. That's that so is cool. exciting. <laughs> awesome. Well, have fun on your book tour. Thank you. I'll see you two on the tour. Yes. yes. All right. Thank you for joining Talk us. Talk to you soon. So I, I am Nell Coakley. I'm Chris Stevens. And this is Book Nation. Keep reading. Keep reading.